to another episode of The Killer Kind. If you're new here, then I highly recommend you hitting that follow or subscribe button so you can keep up with all of our future episodes here on The Killer Kind. Also, if you're new, we're on our third and final Halloween episode. So if you haven't heard the other two Halloween episodes, then I definitely think you should go check them out. Now, this episode is going to be a longer one, so I hope you enjoy that. But it's also one of the tougher cases I've covered here. It does involve um, a child abduction and rape, so please bear with me. But I think, I hate covering child cases, but I also think they're one of the most important because it really kind of shows you what people are capable of. Um, and kind of how we need to watch our children and when. Now, this did take place in the 90s, the early 90s, so it was a different time. Um, So I do understand that, but just keep in mind that our children need to be protected, and you can't always trust people, um, especially in your, your neighborhood. You don't even know who people are sometimes. So bear with me, but it's very interesting. It's a crazy case, and I just hope that you guys will listen, and I hope you enjoy. So let's jump into the case that canceled Halloween. Shauna Howe was 11 years old on October 27, 1992, when she was abducted outside of her home in Oil City, Pennsylvania. Shauna was very sweet and just your typical 11-year-old girl. And at the time of her abduction, Shauna was living with her mom, Lucy, her stepdad, John, and her older brother and her younger sister. The family shared a small apartment above a retail store in the downtown area of Oil City. Now, like I said, this case takes place in October of 1992, and Halloween was Shauna's favorite time of year, which I feel like most 11-year-olds love this time of year. Um, Just all of the dressing up and and going trick-or-treating, eating lots of candy, and just all the fun fall activities that go along with it, right? Now, unfortunately, Shauna's family did not have much money. So when it came to finding a Halloween costume, Shauna had to get creative. But she's a very creative child, um, so she was easily able to put together an adorable costume for Halloween this year. She ended up making a gymnast costume, with an adorable turquoise and black striped one-piece bathing suit that she already had in her closet. Um, She added some tights and gloves. But why do I mention her Halloween costume when we know she was abducted a few days shy of Halloween? Well, Shauna was actually supposed to attend a Halloween party with her Girl Scout troop on the night of the 27th. And she was super excited because she was going to be able to wear her costume a few days early. Now, Shauna was actually, or Shauna actually had a pretty busy day that day. She attended school as usual because this was a Tuesday um, in 1992, so it was the middle of the week. Immediately after school, Shauna had to go to a local nursing home to perform with her school choir. Then after that event, she was to head to the local church where her Girl Scout Halloween party was to be held. Now, This church was less than two blocks from her home, so technically she could have walked home, but she was very scared of the dark. Plus, she's just 11 years old, so her mom, Lucy, was not going to let her walk home after this party by herself because it would have been nighttime after it was over. So Lucy Lucy told Shauna that she was going to arrange a ride for her after the party, 
because she had to work an evening shift during the time of the party and her stepdad was going to be home taking care of her siblings. So her mom told her not to worry about anything, just go to the party and somebody will be outside of the party waiting for waiting to pick you up. So now we cut to around 8 p.m. that night. Lucy calls the house to check on everyone and to make sure Shauna made it home. John ends up telling her that Shauna had not made it home yet. And Lucy immediately freaked out because she realized that she forgot to schedule a ride for Shauna. So like I said, parties never... So like I said, she freaks out and she knew that the party was definitely over by the by this time because the Girl Scout parties never really lasted past eight. So she was thinking there's a slight chance she could be walking home still at this time and she had just not made it. But even that was worrisome, obviously. Then she was thinking maybe she left with a friend and they just didn't make it home yet either. Maybe they walked together. Maybe they kind of took a long way around, you know, that kind of thing. So John told Lucy that he would wait at the house for a little bit longer. And if she didn't show up, then he would hop in the car and try to find her. And sure enough, around 8.30, Shauna still was not home. So he loaded up the kids and started driving towards the church to see if he could find her along the route that she should have taken home and it was a pretty straight shot from the church and the most obvious route was pretty well lit so we know she would have been pretty comfortable taking this route now to remind you this was only about two blocks away so he was pretty certain that he would find her pretty quickly if she was walking but unfortunately he did not see her so he eventually came to the church, and when he pulled up to the parking lot, he it appeared everything was already shut down, and it was obvious the party had been over for quite a while. So he decided to continue driving around to try to find her. He took alternate routes, thinking she might have taken a different path home, or if she had a friend walk her home, they could have went an odd route. So he just drove around the general area to see if he could find her just out walking home. With still no luck, he started searching back roads, dark alleyways, and any other nook and cranny of this area that he could think of that she might have gone. And in a last-ditch effort, he went to the house, hopeful that he had just missed her somehow and she had ended up back at the house. But unfortunately, this was not the case. So around 9.30 that night, before Lucy got off work, she decides to call around and see if she could find Shauna that way. She called a couple of friends. She called Shauna's biological father to see if maybe Shauna freaked out and called her dad to come pick her up. Um, I don't really know their relationship, but I do know one of Shauna's sisters lived with him and Shauna did not. But I'm guessing they had some sort of relationship since Lucy thought to call him. So anyways, she quickly learned that Shauna was not at her dad's house. And after her dad said that she was not there, Lucy rushed home to kind of figure out what she needed to do to find Shauna. Lucy ends up calling one of Shauna's best friends, Joey, that was supposed to be at the Halloween party. She asked her if she saw if she saw Shauna leave or if she knew who saw her last and really if she even made it to the party. Because at this point, she had went to the party by herself. Uh, because it was during the day, her mom let her walk to the party after all of her afternoon activities. So at this point, it wasn't even clear to the family that she even made it to the party. So so Joey confirms that Shauna did go to the party. They both attended the party together. 
Joey goes on to tell Lucy that around 8 p.m. that night, the party ended and that she and Shauna walked out of the church together. And Shauna soon realized that there was no one there to pick her up. So Joey says the two walked most of the way home together, but the two came to the point along their route where they needed to part ways. But Shauna was extremely nervous and did not want to walk the rest of the way home by herself. So she asked her to walk with her. Now, Joey said no, but that Shauna could walk back to her house with her, and then Joey's dad could take Shauna home from there. Now, Joey goes on to say that Shauna did not want to do that. I'm sure she didn't want to burden anyone or ask or have to ask Joey's dad to drive her home. So she just ended up saying that she would walk home by herself. So the two parted ways here. Um, Now, it's obvious that somewhere along this half a mile walk, something happened to Shauna, which just breaks my heart in half, right? Because I can only imagine how scared she was already. And then for something to happen to her during this time, I just can't imagine how scared she was even more. And so after listening to Joey's story, Lucy and John obviously decided to call police because John knew that he had drove around the area that Shauna was supposedly headed towards. So there's no way that that she ended up just walking home and, and making it, obviously. So the two obviously knew something terrible had happened to Shauna. Now, police end up going to the home of Lucy and John to gather more details and to start their initial search. And oddly enough, while police were there, one of the officers one of the officers got a call about someone who witnessed a possible child abduction. This is a little after 8 p.m. that night. So right around the time that Shauna was reported missing. Now, when the police initially got the call there was no child reported missing in the area but when lucy called saying they couldn't find her child the police thought these reports could be connected so the witness reports that about 806 p.m literally minutes after shauna walked out of that party a man named dan payton was walking along first street this is the same street that shauna would have taken on her way home Dan said that he saw a little girl in a gymnast costume walking along 1st Street by herself. He said he then noticed a man walking across the street from Shauna. He said he was pretty tall and was smoking a cigarette. Dan Payton said he noticed this guy cross the street and he appeared to approach Shauna. Seconds later, Dan said this guy picked Shauna up and quickly took her around the corner and he said he heard a little girl scream. Dan immediately ran towards the side street that he saw this man take Shauna, but by the time he got to the street, he saw a small red car speeding off. So obviously he assumed this man he saw take Shauna um, had thrown her into the car and just sped off with her. So now, let me remind you, this was 1992. Cell phones weren't something that just everyone had. So Dan did not have one himself, so he had to run around the neighborhood knocking on doors until he can find someone to let him use their phone. Now, once the report came in, the police station immediately put roadblocks around the town in hopes of finding this child that was supposedly abducted. Oil City Police Department also alerted neighboring police departments of the possible abduction, just in case the abductor had already escaped the town. And after piecing the child abduction with the story of Shauna, the police department gathered 
around 30 officers to canvas the area. They conducted grid pattern searches of the area and especially focusing on the specific street she was known to be abducted from. They went street by street. They also went to the church that she was at earlier in the night. And they even went door to door in the neighborhood to see if anyone had seen or heard anything that night. Police also called friends and family, including Shauna's dad, to make sure it wasn't a mix-up and to make sure he, to make sure she hadn't shown up that night. Now, again, let me remind you, this was 1992. Police told Lucy she would need to stay home and await a possible ransom call. Because in the 90s, most abductions like this came with some sort of ransom note or call demanding money. So poor Lucy just had to sit at the house while everyone was out searching for her child. Like pure torture, I'm sure. I couldn't imagine. So now their extended family really stepped up during this time. They stepped in and scheduled group searches for the surrounding area and beyond. They spoke to the news for the family. They put flyers out. They really just did anything and everything they could. The entire community knew that Shauna was missing by that next morning. And Lucy would later report that when she looked out of her window in the morning, she saw hundreds of people in the streets and right outside of her house out there looking for her child. She said it was an amazing sight. So the day after Shauna's abduction, police made the decision to officially cancel Halloween because they were thinking Halloween could be another opportunity for an innocent child to be snatched off the street, which they're not wrong. So they just didn't want... They just didn't know if it was going to be an isolated event or not, and they definitely didn't want to risk it, obviously. So, now, Shauna's uncle spearheaded some of the bigger searches conducted during this time. The area he was able to cover was insane. It was several, several miles. These searches he led pretty much left no stone unturned. And two days after the abduction the group decided to search an area called Coulter's Hole in Rockland. This was an area known for camping and fishing, and it was also known as a party spot for locals because it was pretty secluded. It was a wooded area with the river running through it. Now, it was during this search that the volunteers spotted the turquoise and black costume that Shauna had been wearing that night. Authorities were immediately called to the scene. Now, of course, they bagged that bodysuit as evidence and started searching the area more intensely. But unfortunately, and oddly enough, there was this was the only piece of evidence located in the area. However, they were able to send the bodysuit to the lab for DNA testing. And they were, in fact, able to gather DNA from this piece of clothing. And they were actually able to put together a full DNA profile, which is huge. But I'm sure you can guess that the police department was also able to determine that there was evidence of sexual assault, which is just devastating. But I'm sure this lit even more of a fire under investigators to find Shauna. Now, sadly, the next day, a local camper in Coulter's Hole camping ground came across a young female body just at the edge of the riverbank. She was lying face down and was wearing mismatched clothing that clearly did not belong to her, and she appeared to be deceased. 
This was obviously the worst possible outcome for investigators and the family. But everyone was very confused because her body was found just 500 yards from where her costume was found. They were saying there was no way that she had been there the day before because police and local volunteers searched that entire entire area inch by inch. They were saying there's just no way they missed her. And one other thing that investigators found near Shauna's body was her tennis shoes. They were laid perfectly next to each other and there was an empty candy wrapper. Now, her tennis shoes and the candy wrapper were found on a bridge that was about 30 feet above her where her body was found. So, close in proximity, but it's insinuated that she was that she either fell or she was pushed over the bridge, but we'll we'll get to that here shortly. But with the placement of the shoes and the candy wrapper, it became very clear that whoever murdered Shauna was just taunting the police at this point, and they're basically mocking them for some sick and twisted reason. Now, before I go into the state of Shauna's body, I want to let you know that it's disturbing and it is sick, like sickening to know what all happened to her. So, and I'll preface this by saying too, like I said earlier, I hate covering cases involving children because I'm a mom and it just kills me to hear what people can do to children the most innocent little things like you have there's just a special place in you know where for people like this I just can't Ugh, makes me sick but anyways let's get into the state of Shauna's body she had a shoe print on her cheek I will let you think on that She had been sexually assaulted, as we learned from DNA testing. And strangely, there appeared to be no evidence of her being tied up or restrained in any way. It's apparent that whoever had held Shauna captive had been able to keep her hostage or subdue her in in some other way other than tying her up. And the cause of death was proven to be a fall. And what they mean is... It was confirmed that Shauna was alive when she was thrown off this bridge and landing where her body was found. It was clear, though, too, that she had likely remained alive for 30 minutes after she was thrown off the bridge. Now, like I said, this bridge was 30 feet from the ground. So she fell 30 feet and survived for 30 minutes after the fall. How horrific and just flat-out barbaric. It's disgusting. My heart just literally broke when I heard this because this tells me that, one, Shauna was alive when everyone was searching for her in that same area the day before. And not only had she practically been tortured from the time she was abducted, she had to experience something so terrible as this. It's just heartbreaking. Needless to say... When word got out about what happened to Shauna, the town was terrified. They were absolutely on board about with canceling Halloween in order to keep their children safe. And to make matters worse, there was some pranksters around town spray painting messages like, you'll be next, and other taunting things on buildings and stuff in the area. I mean, stop being stupid. Whatever. Anyways, the neighborhood got together and started a neighborhood kid watch. It was basically a safety plan where children always had to have a parent or an adult with them if they had to go places. 
if they couldn't get if they couldn't have a parent with them, they had to travel in groups of at least three or more. And some of the parents were even arming their little girls with mace. Now, police started saying that it was getting a little out of control, but you can't blame the parents, right, after what happened. So, but let's get into the actual investigation and see who all police looked at. So, now obviously they started with the family, as you usually do in cases like this. They received DNA samples from all of the males in Shauna's family, even her 12-year-old brother. They specifically looked at Shauna's uncle. He was the same one who led all of those big searches, and there are a lot of people that really thought he was involved somehow. Now, if you're new to true crime, then you may not know that a lot of crim- a lot of criminals will stay close to the investigation, and it must have been known even back then. I can think of a few cases where the actual killer was involved in the search for the victim they killed. It's crazy, but it is common. Now, luckily, the DNA tests did not match any of the family members. So, police expanded their search. They looked into boys at her school, anyone there that she might have had issues with, or someone that could have had a crush on her and just took it a little too far. And that, luckily, turned up nothing there. Um... Then after that, they pretty much looked at any male that could have even passed Shauna on the street prior to her abduction. And I mean, they checked out all the dads to the Girl Scouts or the girls in her Girl Scout group. They checked into the brothers of some of the Girl Scouts. I mean, the list goes on. Anyone that she could have remotely had contact with. And unfortunately, police still came up empty handed. They were just scratching their heads at this point. Because they knew it had been someone in the town since they didn't find the killer that night when they set up all the roadblocks and stuff. This person knew about Coulter's Hole, which is a local hangout spot. It just had to be someone from this area. After local investigators exhausted their efforts, the FBI actually stepped in. And after looking into all of the evidence and information gathered by police, they put together a profile of the killer. Which, side note, I'm fascinated by. Like, how do you even come up with that? But I would love to learn a little bit a little bit about that in the future. But anyways, the FBI claimed that this had to be a Caucasian male in their 20s. And they likely had a huge shift in behavior after the abduction. They wanted the public to think about someone who suddenly started acting strange. Maybe they quit their job, broke up with a girlfriend, kind of went off the deep end for a couple days maybe. Something along those lines. Now... Once the FBI released the profile, several people started calling in with tips or calling to report someone they felt matched the description. FBI looked into a few guys that were brought to their attention, and there was one that they looked into pretty closely, even searching him, like searching his home and vehicle, and but he was ultimately cleared, and the other guys were too. Finally, police get a call about a man named Ted Walker. He supposedly matched the description, the profile put out by the FBI, and he also drove a car very similar, if not the exact car, that police reported the kidnapper drove. So who was Ted Walker? Ted Walker worked at a local pizza shop in town, and this was a pizza shop that Shauna would go to quite often with her friends. And 
like the caller said, Ted drove a car that matched the description given out to the public. So, he knows Shauna. He drives pretty much the exact car she was taken in. And he matches the profile. He was also known as a creeper. He was a middle-aged man with a young son. But he was a huge creepo. Local residents said that he always tried to get hugs from little girls and that he would come that would come into the pizza shop and the little girls would like run away from him. A lot of the local parents just said that he acted very strange towards young girls. So you would think this would be our guy, right? Go ahead and lock him up. But I hate to burst a rubble here. After DNA testing, it was determined that it did not match Ted Walker's DNA. So the police had their hands tied and they had to let this guy go. Now, he probably needed to be locked up regardless if he actually killed Shauna, but either way. And we will actually come back to Ted here in a minute. <laughs> and with this being the last sort of big lead they had, police were at a loss. And the case goes cold for a few years. And in 1995, Detective Richard Graham was assigned to Shauna's case. And he brought in Robert Ressler. And if you're a really big true crime lover, then you may recognize that name. He is who Bill Tinch's character is based on in Mindhunter. And he basically is the man who created the idea of a serial killer. He's interviewed several serial killers in his career. Some really big names. And he's pretty a big name himself in the crime world. Now, even in 1995... This guy was big. And during that time, he was working in the behavioral science department of the FBI. So Richard brought him in to help kind of crack this case. And right away, Robert said this was definitely more than one person. And this was a new concept to investigators, but made a ton of sense. Mainly because we know that Shauna's body had not shown any signs of being tied up or restrained in any way. So it would make sense that someone else kind of kept their eye on her maybe at all times. So there was definitely more than one person involved here. And what do you know? Once they brought in their search with the idea of two men being involved, they came across two brothers who had been pretty much just wreaking havoc, havoc and causing problems for this town for years. Their names were James and Timothy O'Brien. Some called them Jim and Tim. <laughs> but these two were rough. They had a rap sheet a mile long, and have been in front of the police practically since birth. These two couldn't have fit the bill more. They had been charged with sexual assaults on grown women as well as children. They had even attempted a kidnapping prior to Shauna. This time, it was a young woman leaving a bar. James O'Brien came up behind this young woman and tried to shove her in the trunk, but she fought back, luckily. And in an effort to subdue her, he, like, hit her head on the pavement and caused her to, to be knocked out. But this weak piece of crap ends up not being able to lift her into the trunk. And he realizes that it was taking too long, so he just took off and left her laying there. Luckily, this woman was able to go to police and give the description of her attacker. And police were able to charge James O'Brien with assault and attempting kidnapping. Now... Here's where things get super frustrating. So obviously police look into Tim and James. But when they do, they find out that these two had been in jail at the time of Shauna's kidnapping. Or so they thought. Unfortunately, the case goes cold for a few more years. And it's not until Richard Graham has, the question, has to question Tim O'Brien about another case that he's involved in. 
at this time, he comes back on the radar for Shauna's murder. Basically, since Shauna's murder, the police in the area question any and every man that comes through their door about Shauna's case. So, they do this again with Tim. And this time, Tim's attitude totally changes when Shauna's name is mentioned. So, Richard does a DNA test. Now, remember, they were ruled out initially because they were both supposedly in jail. Now, into so the DNA test was not done then. Now, the DNA test does come back negative for Tim. But when Richard digs a little more, he determines that the O'Brien brothers were actually not in jail at the time of Shauna's murder. And you're like, what the crap? How do police mess that up? Seriously. Well, if they had actually paid attention, they would have realized that both of the brothers were charged with a crime just days prior to Shauna's murder. But they were out on bond. Are you freaking kidding me? Why is bond even a thing? How many cases do I have to hear about someone committing a horrific act while out on bond? This shouldn't even be legal. But anyways, unbelievable. Now, since Tim's DNA did not match, like I said, they couldn't hold him for Shauna's murder. But a couple years later, Tim O'Brien's cellmate comes forward and says that Tim confessed to him that he did, in fact, kill Shauna. Now, let me bring it all home for you guys a little bit or kind of wrap it up a little bit more. I know we've gone back and forth about, I know we've gone back and forth, and it's about to get even crazier, so hang in there with me. So after lots of suspicion, police were able to get a DNA sample from James O'Brien, and when they did, it came back as a match. So boom, right? Finally, 2004, the two were officially arrested and charged with the murder of Shauna Howe. But surprise, surprise, the two were already serving time in state prisons for unrelated attacks. Come on, police. You could have caught these guys years ago. Anyways, now, one thing I haven't pointed out is that neither Tim nor James actually fit the description of the man who attacked Shauna. But do you remember who did? Ted Walker, the creepo, the pizza guy. Ugh. Police didn't know if the three men were connected or how they could tie into each other. But oh boy, did they. Come to find out, Ted Walker was freaking living with the O'Brien brothers at the time of Shauna's murder. So there you go. I just knew that Ted guy had something to do with it. He was too perfect of a match with him already being the local pedophile. There's just no way he wasn't involved somehow, right? So police find Ted and bring him in for questioning once again. And boy, does his run, his mouth run. <laughs> he lets it all out. He ends up telling investigators that the three of them were sitting at the house one night and were basically making fun of the local police department, saying they were idiots and couldn't do their job right if they wanted to. So they devised this ridiculous plan to fake a kidnapping. Now, this is Ted's story take it for what you want they were going to take a young child off the street on halloween night and hold them for like 20 30 minutes just to watch police kind of scramble and fail at their job then they would release the child this was all supposedly just to prove a point that police were just idiots now that's a great story ted but a child was actually abducted sexually assaulted and murdered that wasn't fake so this told police or this told me, excuse me, that Ted was trying to say that they had the idea, but it never happened, and the two brothers must have taken the idea and ran with it. However, 
a neighbor of Ted's ends up calling police the day after this interview saying that they witnessed him burning a mattress. So if that doesn't scream who he was involved, then I don't know what does. It was on March 14th, 2002 that Ted's home ended up being searched by police. Now, this was obviously on the news when it happened because it was such a high-profile case at the time. Now, guess who happened to be watching the news? Dan Payton. This is the man who witnessed Shauna's abduction. He immediately called police and said that this guy was the guy that took Shauna that night. So they bring Ted back in for questioning and he changes his story once again. He tells police that he was working at the pizza shop on the night of the 27th when Shauna was taken and he saw James and Tim drive past in his car, in Ted's car. Now he was confused and rightfully pissed, so he walked out and followed the car to the same intersection that Shauna was taken from. Ted confronts the brothers and asks what the heck's going on. They tell Ted that they want to kidnap a child that night. They didn't want to wait until Halloween like the original plan. About that time, Ted sees Shauna Howe walking down the street. When he does, he goes over to her and says hello and asks about Girl Scout cookies and just kind of makes small talk. Then he asks for a hug, like the huge creepo he is. And unfortunately, she agrees. And this is when Ted grabs Shauna and runs around the corner with her and throws her in the back of the car that the O'Brien brothers were driving. Now, all three of the men, along with Shauna, arrive home. Now, again, Ted says he still didn't believe this was, um, or excuse me, he believed this was a fake kidnapping. They weren't really going to hold her for very long. Nothing was going to happen to her. So Ted claims that he went into the kitchen and started cooking dinner for his son. You know, casual. You just fake kidnap somebody. Whatever. Now Ted says that James and Tim came in behind him and took Shauna upstairs. Now, it wasn't long before Ted said that he heard screams coming from the second floor. And he ran upstairs and the brothers just told him to mind his business or his son would be next. So... Ted said he freaked out, grabbed his son, and they ran out of the house. It took some time after this story from Ted, but police were able to finally formally charge James and Tim for the kidnapping, rape, and murder of Shauna Howe. The two were arrested on January 3, 2004. Ted was also charged the next day for his involvement in the crime, but by the 5th, Ted had taken a deal that required him to testify against the brothers. Yet, he would still have to be charged with third-degree murder. Now, both James and Tim were tried together, and Ted testified against them like he was supposed to do. However, Ted changed his story once again. He claimed that James and Tim kidnapped Shauna themselves and that he didn't know anything about it until he got home and that night, and there she was. Now, obviously, the prosecutors were pissed. He made a deal and was not supposed to change the story. And the defense was also pretty pissed, obviously. So they went in on Ted wholeheartedly, saying that he was the mastermind, not them. This was all his idea. He did the legwork. It was all him, all Ted. They also tried to explain away James' DNA on Shauna, saying that James had brought a woman home that night, and the two had sex, and that Shauna had to have slept in that bed, and therefore there was probably some transfer. Okay, stop. The prosecution shot that down pretty quickly. Everything pointed to James. So, dude, quit. 
you're just embarrassing yourself at this point. So a lot of he said, he said here, right? And that was a problem for both sides of the fence because the only evidence they had was the DNA that pointed to James. It was hard to pin anything on Tim. But luckily, on October 26, 2005, Tim and James both were officially found guilty of second and third degree murder. They were also found guilty of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, kidnapping, and conspiracy. And luckily, thank the Lord, Ted was also convicted and found guilty of kidnapping and murder of Shauna Howe. Shauna finally received justice, and for that, I'm thankful. One other thing to note here was that, yes, Halloween was canceled in 1992 when Shauna was murdered. But from 1993 up until 2008, no one was allowed to trick-or-treat after dark. It was in 2008 that a little girl in the town made a presentation and had a petition signed by local citizens to have the ban on nighttime trick-or-treating lifted. The ban was lifted, and now Oil City gets their normal Halloween every year. So that's it, guys. That is the horrible, horrific case of Shauna Howe the case that canceled Halloween. I hope you've enjoyed these three Halloween cases. I certainly have. I love a good theme. I love Halloween as well. So I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I will be back here in two weeks for another episode. It'll be another regular case that we're going to cover here. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Um, again, if you have not already, please hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. Please give us a five-star review that helps people find our podcast. And I hope you guys spread the word. Thank you, everyone. I will talk to you later. See you in two weeks. Be safe. Bye.